Good morning, church. It's January 7th. It's a new day today. Jesus is still on the throne. God is sovereign. And that sovereign God is merciful, just, forgiving. And uh, all those wonderful promises of his are new for us each and every day. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, there's a Bible reading plan in the show notes below. We've been using that. We're going to read through the Bible in an entire year together. But because there's so much in even just a 20-minute period of time of reading, we're picking one piece out of each of those uh, reading plan days. And we're just focusing in on a piece of the scripture that stands out to us. Um, I'm doing my best to encourage you to learn how to do this. So the things that stand out to me today might stand out very differently to me if I were to read this passage in four months now, from now. And you're a different person. You have different life experiences. You have different things going on in your life that you're feeling and you're, and you're thinking through and your decisions that you're having to make. And, make. and so um, the point is to get you in the word of God and to beyond that, get you thinking about and dwelling on or meditating on the word of God throughout your day, um, that you draw near to him. And that in drawing near to him, God would draw near to you as the word of God promises that he will do so. Our verses today are Genesis chapters 22 to 24 and also Psalm chapter 7. I love that they use the Psalm in the Bible reading plan that we're using. There are so many Bible reading plans out there. If you don't want to follow along, that's fine. I just hope and pray that you're in your word consistently and that you are um, that you're growing in it and that you're growing with the Lord and you're taking what you're reading and allowing it to go from your mind into your heart um, by chewing on it, by allowing that seed to fall onto, onto good soil, that your heart's prepared to hear from the Lord and to walk with him on a consistent basis. This morning for me, I was struck by uh, a piece of passages in Genesis 24 and Eleazar Abraham's mass, uh, Abraham's servant is sent on this journey because Abraham is about to die and Isaac, the promised son, is not married yet. And not only is he not married, but he doesn't have any prospects and they're living in this land of Canaan where there isn't anyone from Abraham's family around. And so he has a specific request that Isaac be married to someone from his land where he and his fathers are originally from. And in doing so, the way in which he plans to make this happen is by sending his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac. Now, this was common practice, nothing out of the ordinary. While he's on this journey, Eleazar, if you could imagine being a servant, going to pick out a wife for your master's son is a big deal. Who you come back with is a big deal. And there's this whole amazing story of the journey that takes place. And he's kind of wondering, you kind of get to go through with him, you know, what if she's not there? What if I fail on my on my journey here? What if I fail in coming through and what my master is asking for me to do and to bring back for him? And so he pleads with the Lord and he just says, God, will you show up? Will you make my path straight? I have this mission I ask that you would bless my master and my master's son, and that as I'm the one that is being responsible to go on this journey and to find this woman, I'm relying on you to bring her to me, God. And he comes to this well where he stops in his heart, we read and find out that he was 
asking after considering with the Lord and asking the Lord to show up in this in this way, he considers that, um, you know, he kind of does that. Well, if the girl that comes to me first is so-and-so, and he's got these couple of requirements that come through, and all of a sudden we have um, this woman, Rebecca, who comes to the well, and lo and behold, she does everything that Eleazar uh, anticipated and asked to be done in his heart as a sign from the Lord that this was the one that's supposed to be his master's son's wife, Isaac's wife, um, Rebecca. And he's not done yet, though. So he comes to the well. He the, the Bible says that he's actually silent. So he literally sits there and he's thinking about in his heart what's happening before him. This woman gives him a drink of water. Then she goes back to the well to draw water for his camels and, the, and fill the trough that is there all fully until his camels can't drink anymore. Um, you can do some research on camels, you know, that, that kind of cool stuff alone. Um, they drink a lot of water. So she's going back and forth to this well with a couple of buckets um, a good number of times. He tells Rebecca the story and why he's there. And he hands her some, you know, offerings of like, here's proof that I'm coming from my master who is wealthy. He's sent me to find a wife for his son. You are here, hint, hint. Where is your family? What what land are you a part of? Could you be a part of my master's forefathers and their land? And she confirms with him exactly where she's from and what she's doing. So in verse 34 of chapter 24, he reads, So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he's become great. And he's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants and camel and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. That's kind of cool, right? Abraham knows that Isaac is going to be the possessor of all of his things. And yet the reason that Isaac was such a blessing was that he carries on the lineage and he's not married yet and doesn't have kids. So even after all that Abraham has been able to possess, um, one of the one of the promises that he's looking forward to in God was for God to bring uh, his generations out of him and specifically his son Isaac. And back to the back to the storyline here. But so he has all these things: silver and gold, male and female donkeys, camels and donkeys. It's all Isaac's now. And Isaac doesn't have a wife. And this wife, by Abraham's request, would be someone who is from the house or from the land that Abraham is from. And so I'm skipping ahead a little bit more because he shares this story um, with Eli- with uh, Rebecca's father. And before I, I finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. He recounts even the story of what happened and how it's being confirmed in his heart. And then verse 48, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord. And I blessed the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, there's a lot of confirmation already here. He knows his task. He's headed to do what he's been asked to do. He's sought after the Lord diligently to show him who the right woman is going to be. 
The Lord comes through and confirms in his heart what he hopes and desires would be a confirmation for him with the way in which Rebecca comes to him to the well. Now he's bowing down and worshiping the Lord and blessing the Lord God of his master. It, for you and I, it's a done deal, right? But it's not yet. He's still considering and the doors are still open. And for me, that was my... That was my sort of, wow, that's a, that I need to think about that. I need to pray about that because here's Eleazar. If it were me, I think I would be so confirmed and so adamant that this is the Lord's will that I'd be done. Right. I mean, I would not take no for an answer. It would just simply be, listen, the Lord has need of it. There's a passage in the donkey. We always joke about, about here, um, you know, as the, as the disciples go and get the donkey for Jesus before he rides into um, the city on Palm Sunday that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. We always use that that verses. And their response to the owner of the donkey is, well, the Lord has need of it, so it's ours. <laughs> Got to take it, right? I mean, I would be that way here if I'm Eleazar. I'd be saying, hey, God's confirmed this to me one, two, three times. Isaac is a is a skillful master. She's from the same land. I don't really care what you say or what you don't say. The answer is yes. And if it's not, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. That's not how Eleazar responds. Listen to this. He continues in verse 49. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or the left. He is still holding his task, holding the confirmation, holding his desires and wants where everything looks like it's going to go the way that he wants it to go. And yet Rebecca's family is there. And even to their point in coming to them, he says, listen, please tell me if you're going to deal kindly with me after hearing this whole story. Remember, he didn't sit down and eat yet. He says, before I eat, I need to tell you what's going on here. And now I need to know, I need, I need you to confirm to me if you're going to be in agreement and this is going to be the final step that this is truly a done deal and I've completed my mission and I will, I will bring Rebecca back to Isaac and see this amazing, beautiful marriage, which does end up happening. But I want you to hear it. I want you to see here, Eleazar... Coming from his mat, he's not here serving Rebecca's family. He's serving Abraham. And at his request, he is on this journey. And yet he still is, is dealing kindly and keeping his hands opening and saying, listen, if you're not going to deal kindly with me, and this is not um, something that I will have your blessing in, let me know because I don't want to waste much more time. I need to go. If I, I need to know if I'm going to need to go to the left or to the right. I need to know. I need to know right now. It reminds me just to get a little personal with you. Um, I, before I met my wife, had been through many uh, relationships. And because of my own emotional and just immaturity level, um, and also theirs, right? We were young and I was figuring things out. I was a newborn, you know, newborn Christian after a year or two and still walking and stumbling along my way, right? Learning how to walk. And I remember having fallen, having messed up, having had so much um, just 
wrong decisions, wrong outcomes, and wasted time that when I was in uh, college and I met my wife, before I met my wife, I had declared to the Lord, I said, I'm not wasting time anymore, God. If I'm going to get into another relationship, it is going to be with the full intent of getting married. And because of that, when I met my wife, she probably thought I was nuts. But, you know, after a couple of dates, I, I said to her, I said, listen, I'm not here to play the dating game. I have a desire to be married. I have a desire to find a godly woman to be married to. I'm very attracted to you. I want to get to know you better, but I also need to know what your intentions are right now so that if you're not in the same boat, if you're not going down the same path, I can turn to the left or to the right and keep on with this journey before any foul or any harm is done. And I think Eleazar was at this point too. And I, and I love this. The wisdom here is this constant, like how do we hold what God's given us how do, we, how do we hear and listen and believe and walk by faith and yet still in that faith and the confirmation that comes along the way, be able to keep our hands open and go, Lord, you've been confirming and confirming and confirming, but if it's not it today, if this isn't it, show me now, even to the, to the last end of the you know, request or at the end of the journey. And... I want to be like, I want to be, I want to be so steadfast and I, I want to be on this journey and I hope you do too. I, I, I'm always struck by the walk of faith of the men and the women that are recorded for us in the scripture. And if you like, just slow down a little bit and maybe reread chapter 24 here, but every step of the way, it seems like they're stopping and they're worshiping and they're declaring, and they're hearing from, and then they're getting up, and they're acting on, and they're moving forward, but even in the moving forward, every step of the way, they're stepping back, and they're reconfirming, and they're re-asking, and they're re-worshiping, and they're rethinking, and they're on this, they're on this amazing journey with God. They're on this amazing sojourn, right? They have tasks and purposes in front of them, yet they're fully embracing every step of the way, that, I believe, is a real walk with God. That's what I hunger and I long for. And so this right or left that I'm talking about here, do I go to the right or do I go to the left? I don't really know. But I'm responsible to be asking, to engaging, to be engaging, to be um, just fully involved in the process and yet still surrender the whole thing to the Lord and be surrendered to other people. I mean, this guy didn't come in and just overtake it. Ultimately, he trusted in the sovereignty of God, just like Abraham had done with the birth of Isaac and, and bringing Isaac up onto the altar, right? It was the same thing. It's like, I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to do this, Lord. I don't see another way, but I trust you. I trust God that this is my this is my lineage. This is the one you've promised to me. This kid is here in the flesh. I love him to death. And, and yet here we are. You're calling me to sacrifice and worship to you. What do I do? Right as, right as he's ready, stop. Now I know that you serve me. Can you say that? Are you willing to be able to be in this place of 
tell me now so I can go to the left or to the right or whatever, whatever side you're looking at it on. Tell me now so that I can go. If you're not, if you're not going to be okay, just let me go. That's okay. But I have to ask because the Lord's confirmed this. You heard the story. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. Does that resonate with you? Would you agree that this is of the Lord's will and, and would you bless my path home on the rest of this journey? I love it. So that, that's, that's where it is. If not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or the left hand. And one more place, and I don't think this is even, you know, there's not really much context to it, but I like to always go to other scripture. And one of the, the one of the passages that I've remembered is in Proverbs chapter four. Specifically, I talk a lot with men and I record it myself in my heart, um, just for those that are dealing with lust or dealing with their eyes wandering and, and um, not being able to kind of move forward. But there's this amazing... Uh, admonition given to the writer of the Proverbs' son, namely, it's most likely Solomon. But um, in verse 20 of chapter four, it reads, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now, I understand this is the opposite, right? The writer of Proverbs is saying, do not turn to the right or to the left. I don't think Eleazar was turning to the right or to the left. He was asking whether or not his eyes were still clearly on the path in front of him. And if they weren't, and he felt like he was getting off, he was okay saying, okay, I need to make a quick little turn. But it wasn't that his eyes were going one way or the other and trying to find different avenues or arenas or nor was he, was he pushing through and doing whatever it took to get uh, this he wasn't going to take her away without the blessing of her family. I want to leave you with that. I'm done, right? So I want to ask you that today. Are you able to find yourself in your life? First of all, do you have that kind of a journey with the Lord? Do you want it? Do you want that kind of a journey with where every step of the day you say, Lord, like I'm on a journey. I have a purpose. I have um, a task in front of me I, I, and you're here with me and you have these things laid out for me. The Bible says there are good works prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So if you're a Christian today, the Bible literally says that there are good works before your day that God desires for you to walk in. Do you even acknowledge that you have good works to walk in? In acknowledging them, are you willing and able to walk in this way that knows what's right in front of you, having your, your eyes focused on the task in front of you, communing with God along the way, communicating with him, acknowledging him, worshiping him in the process, and then willing when you come to a roadblock or something that could possibly be um, like the end game for whatever you thought your journey was to say, hey, I'm inquiring of the Lord. I'm inquiring of you. Tell me now so that I know whether or not I ought to continue to move forward or if I need to move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right because uh, there's a little bit of a curve in my path and it's not so much of a straight through.
left or right? Right or left? Of course, it's opposite because of the video I'm recording. Um, that's my question to you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. You know what? I wanted to share. I have a, um, I saw this and I'm going to put it on our church sign today, but uh, it was an awesome quote. And I, I think so. Listen, this is from Charles Spurgeon. It says, the world's one and only remedy is the cross. However you're feeling when you wake up this morning, there is only one place to run. There's only one place to lay ourselves down. There's only one place to pick ourselves up from. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. That death, burial, and resurrection is what has given us and provided for us the newness of life that is not based upon circumstances around us. That you are able to be fully alive, fully at peace, fully at rest in Jesus, regardless of what's happening around you. Be blessed today. Rest in the Lord, walk with God, inquire of God, worship God, and you will find, I promise you, that as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and meet you. And this sojourn is one that is able to be filled with amazing blessing. This inner peace, this inner rest, I hope and pray that you found it just as Hebrews push on to find the rest that is there for us today. There's rest today, regardless of what's going on around or how you feel about what did or didn't happen. Inquire, worship, engage, walk with God, sojourn with God and with the other believers around you, with, with like-minded Christians. I hope and pray you're in a local congregation as well. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. The local church is essential. We're going to do a video on that in the coming weeks, but I'm done now. Have a good one.